Well, good morning. Um, we are entering into our new series today, Tough Love. So uh, love is always a challenging thing. Sometimes we may think or maybe it's talked about in a simple way, but we all know that love is challenging, that hate is really an easier path. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus and Jesus specifically as he talks about love. And love is really the highest virtue that is displayed throughout the scripture. It's the virtue that Jesus said um, sums up the entire law, sums up everything that Christ tried to uh, impart to us kind of in one Concept. So it's pretty important that we really dig in and understand a lot about love. Well, there's lots of things in our culture that lots of people, lots of places that talk about love. We hear depictions in movies, right? There's always talk about love, a good romantic uh, comedy. That's always, uh, always a good movie. Love songs, right? Everybody loves a good love song. That was kind of... Uh, redundant there, right? But everybody loves those good love songs, and it's kind of like that emotional tone, and like, um, you know, uh, a, a love song, there's interesting lyrics. I was actually looking up some uh, love song lyrics today, some hip-hop lyrics, and I can't share with those, those with you, but, but lots of people have their idea about love. Our world says lots of things about love. Um, here's a couple of quotes from people regarding love. This is what some people in the world say about love. That's Drake. I believe, is that Drake? I don't know. Um, uh, nobody, nobody, everybody's looking at me like, I don't know. Um, you can always tell how much you love someone by how much they can hurt you. Okay? That's an interesting uh, view of love. How, uh, love is painful. Those are the, that's something that can take place. There's some truth in that. Here's another uh, idea about love. Here's Johnny Depp. I love Johnny Depp's look right here. Everybody right here. Doesn't it make it seem more meaningful with Johnny Depp looking at you like that? Uh, it may be completely worthless, like what he has to say about love, but, but look at that look. All right. If you love two people at the same time, choose the second. Because if you really love the first one, you wouldn't have fallen for the second. There you go, Johnny. All right. Uh, I don't know what that says about marriage or <laughs> says about working through conflict, but there you go. There's your advice for the day from Johnny. But hang on. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Before you judge Johnny's words, remember this. All right. All right. Does that make it make more sense? Okay. Here's some more words about love from different people. This is Albert Einstein. Gravitation is not responsible for people falling in love. Thank you, Albert. Uh, Albert says it in only the way that Albert would. Like, uh, people always say, I fell in love. And he's like, no, sorry, as a scientist, I just want to tell you that uh, gravity has nothing to do with love. All right? Uh, thank you, Albert. All right. That is not helpful, but kind of funny. All right. Here is another one. Jerry Seinfeld. Marriage is like a game of chess. Except the board is flowing water, the pieces are made of smoke, and no move you make will have any effect on the outcome. Uh, anybody relate to that? Uh, so that's what Jerry said. Do you think I could do my Jerry Seinfeld impression? I, no. Hey, you know, 
Uh, no, I can't do it. Never mind. Uh, everybody's looking at me like, what is this guy doing? All right. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, his view of love. Next one. I think there's another one. I think this is the last one. Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I think that love and work are the only things that really happen to us. Marilyn Monroe. Anybody have any idea what that means? I have no idea either. But lots of people talk about love. And we have all these depictions of love. We have pictures uh, that bombard us all of the time. And what we want to do is kind of counter, maybe rethink, reframe some of those thoughts and say, what does the scripture say about love? Let's be really clear that love is something that it takes maturity takes work, takes effort. It is tough. It's really a lifelong pursuit. Understanding what the scripture says uh, and is teaching us about love is it, it, it's something that we should always be working on, sharpening, and understanding. And so it's kind of one of these big rocks in our life that we got to put together first before we understand some of those other pieces that come around it. We have to understand what the scripture says about it. And so there's lots of pictures and images and ideas about love. And, but this is some of what Jesus said in Matthew 5. And this is going to be one of the kind of core verses for our series Kind of looking at what Jesus said and reframing the idea and picture of love that our whole culture conveys to us. Um, I have to admit something today. Okay. I forgot my Bible at home. All right. So I'm going to read from the screen. But just trust me. I am more disappointed in myself than you are disappointed in me. Okay. So... Um, I will reevaluate my life here, and I apologize. The pastor showing up to church without his Bible. Uh, isn't that embarrassing? What kind of church is this? All right. Matthew 5, 43 starts with this. You've heard that it was said. And I, don't, I hate to pause mid-sentence, but Jesus is really kind of setting us up right here. All these other people say this about love. All kinds of concepts you have about love from your culture, from other sayings, from other images. There's lots of them out there. But Jesus says, you know, how about this? So you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his, uh, his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends out rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And even if you greet only, only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. So this is, this is a part of Jesus' core teaching in the book of Matthew, where he's really saying, these are the concepts that you need to gather. And really, Jesus 
preaches this and kind of lays out his ministry in the book of Matthew. And then what follows is we see Jesus lives this out in an incredible, profound way. So we see it in both his words that he kind of challenges us. And then we see it all throughout his actions, a different picture that really paints something different about love. But it's, it's a pretty common idea that Jesus is confronting here. It's a really common thought, and it's a natural reaction that we all have. Is it, It's easy to love like your neighbor. It's easy to love those people who are kind to us, close to us, those ones that treat us right. And you know what? Hate your enemy. But Jesus said something different, something more challenging, something more profound, a real tough picture of love. This past week, I had, had some uh, encounters with this. We've been going through our Good Neighbor Project the whole month of August. And many of you have helped out with our different projects that we've done. We've done a neighborhood food drive. We did some gifts for all the teachers at the school. We also, um, some of the kids worked in the garden and helped work on a bunch of other things. We did our muffins for the parents showing up to school and drinks this past week. Lots of good things in our neighborhood. And you know, when you're out there doing stuff and we've, we put effort and money and energy into that and we're showing up in our fancy shirts. Lenny's got a, a version of her right there. We're there. We're ready. We're smiling. We're happy. And, and we're out there handing out stuff. And sometimes, guess what? It's not perfectly received. And it's one of the most frustrating things in the world when you're like there, you're saying, I want to give you a free muffin, free, and a free juice. And sometimes it's like, hmm, what's going on here? Uh, not quite sure. And it's interesting, as we were going out and doing it, we, we thought about, hey, next time when we do it, we need to get old big signs out there and say, hey, everybody, it's free. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to sign you up for a magazine subscription. We're not trying to, like, raise money. Nothing. We're just trying to say, you know what? We love our neighbors, and here you go. Uh, but it's interesting that, like, that's sometimes what takes place. You even send out Good things with no agenda, and sometimes what you get back is negative. And I'll tell you, a little secret thing, we do podcast our messages, so I'm a little afraid to tell the story. Uh, however, um, you know, I got an email. I got an email the day after we went and sent out, you know, kind of like our nice little muffins and all this different stuff. And I won't get into the details, but it was just kind of like, hey, you know, my kid wanted this and that, and you didn't give him this, and why did you do that? And, and, and it was a very negative tone, and I'll tell you exactly my first response as soon as I saw the email. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was angry because I was like, are you kidding me? We are out there trying to do nice things. And look at this. The response we get back is negative. Are, seriously, giving out free stuff is, is a problem? And, and my first reaction was negative. 
And it's one of the, the weaknesses I have. That I, I say, you know, I don't like it when I try to do something good and I don't, like, I get dinged for it anyway. You understand what I'm saying a little bit? I, my intentions were good, maybe, you know, all kinds of things in life that sometimes people misinterpret or whatever it may be. And for me, I was frustrated. I was frustrated, and I spent kind of half the day mulling over this email and thinking about how I was going to respond and all these different things. Because, you know what, the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we can do everything right. Sometimes we can send out and have good intentions and care for others, and still we get negativity back. And that's hard, right? It's hard not to get jaded, angry, upset. It's hard not to like look around us in the world and say, you know what, I give up and I quit because, you know, these stupid people all around me are, you know, are, are, they don't understand. I'm trying to be nice here. And they're not, they're not, they don't understand my nice gesture. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to have these encounters throughout the day where maybe somebody says something to us. Maybe somebody like does something that's, that, like interrupts our day and our life and for us immediately to have the reaction of anger and immediately have that reaction against somebody. And Jesus is saying, guess what? I'm calling you to something really high, really difficult, really tough, probably something that is going to be a struggle for you in your life. Because everybody else says, love those people that you really like. Love those people that like are really nice to you. Love those people that take care of you and do things for you. But what I'm telling you is, love your enemy. Love those who mistreat you. Love all of those people. This is tough, right? This is tough stuff. This is stuff that we... Uh, is going to take some time and struggle and, and trial and error. But this is difficult. And so it's something all of us have to say, if we're serious about being a follower of Christ, it's something that we need to, we need to work on. Because it's so easy to just kind of be hateful. It's so easy to have that reaction. It's so easy to quickly dismiss people, get cynical, get angry at others, and, and cast people aside. That is easy. But love is tough. Okay? Love is tough. And so today in particular, what we're going to talk about is one dichotomy that Jesus presents us in the scripture that is something that is a challenge for all of us. And all of these weeks as we go through it, we're going to have these challenging things that we have to wrestle with. But this dichotomy that we have with love, that love is full of grace and full of truth. So here's, here's where this comes from. It's John chapter 1, verse 14. And John chapter 1 is a really important chapter in the Bible. John chapter 1 uh, demonstrates and helps us really understand, maybe clearer than any other place in the scripture, who Jesus is. And it gives this wonderful introduction. This past week, I had a great chance. I've been going through a Bible study class with our, our teens and we have a few of them here. 
I won't quiz you guys. Don't worry about it. But we've been going through a Bible study class and saying this is the most important thing. This is what the Bible is all about. And we were, we were talking about Jesus and his life. And what we used, if we looked at, is John chapter 1. Because John 1 just kind of says, this is what Jesus' life is all about. This is why Jesus came to earth. And we won't read the whole chapter, but in that setting, it says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so it's talking specifically about Jesus. I really want to quiz the teens here to see if they pass our class. But the teens would know and recognize the punctuation that is going on here because we do punctuation in our youth Bible studies. That the word, the second, the word that is listed there is capitalized. It's talking about the person of Jesus Christ. It's talking about Jesus' life. Jesus came to earth. The word He became flesh. The God of the universe that was there in the very beginning that created the world became human and was among us and did things like taught us like Matthew 5 said. And he said he gave us these pictures and images and we have seen it. We've seen what Jesus is all about. We have seen God. What a profound thing that John is telling us. He's saying, I have seen God I have seen him, and I've seen what his whole life is about. I saw his message. I'm trying to convey it to you. And how did he come? He came full of grace and full of truth. Pretty interesting words. Interesting dichotomy that gives us this picture of love. And I want to look at that today. Because love is full of grace, and it's full of truth. A simplistic view of love would kind of say, and this is somewhat what our culture talks about right now, is love is all about grace. That's kind of a simplistic view of love. Grace meaning it's all about just kind of forgiving everybody, giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, kind of just like letting people uh, slide. You know, and that's kind of some of the depictions in our world right now of love is love everybody, love everything, love everybody that's going on and everybody do whatever you want. And we all need to love that. And it's no big deal, but full of grace and full of truth. And Jesus comes and he says, I have come that you may know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so the dichotomy here, and this is where love gets complicated, difficult, and hard, and we have to work at it, is that Jesus shows up and gives us this picture of love that is 100% grace and 100% truth, all in one, full of grace and truth at the same exact time. I don't know how that works with math, but it's true. It's 100% of both. And so I want to think about and look at what happens when we kind of take an incomplete view of love and take like a sprinkling of grace and a sprinkling of truth. And maybe sometimes we'll take all grace and no truth. Or maybe we'll take all truth and no grace. Jesus gives us this picture and says, I have come full of grace and full of truth. 
It's it's an incomplete love if it's partial grace or partial truth. And so we have to understand that. So let's let's talk a little bit about partial grace for a moment. If you have partial grace, what that means is you kind of put conditions on love. You put some conditions on it. That you know what? If, If you treat me right and you do what I want you to do, you will be loved. And you know what? This is something that is a struggle for all of us in many ways. You know, even the people closest to us. We have expectations of what we want others to do for us, right? We have, we have things that we say, if you're going to be in this home, this is how we treat one another. We have conditions with our love, don't we? And it's almost hard to even think about it as 100% grace. But really, true love is not just a sprinkling of grace. It is a hundred percent grace. There is no conditions to our love for others. I will not, my love for you is not dependent on your actions. Will not change whether or not it's reciprocated. My love for you will not be diminished even though uh, you mistreat me. That is challenging. Would you, would you agree? I mean, it's much, much easier to go about 75% grace. 75% grace is like kind of like I have a limit as to how many times I will forgive you and like still love you and care about you. And this is like the struggle and debates even we find in the Gospels where they're like, how much should we forgive other people? Should we forgive them all the time? Maybe like a lot of the time, but like sometimes we can't forgive them. Are you kidding me? We can't forgive like the worst of the worst. And as Jesus said in Matthew 5, he's like, you know what? How about even those people that you hate the most, the tax collectors? Anybody hate tax collectors? (laughs) I hate stinking tax. Okay, I'm sorry. Forgive me, God. I hate taxes. But tax collectors annoy me a little bit too. Uh, But is true love, tough love, Jesus kind of love is not conditional on what other people will do for me. Let me, let's just pause for a second. Can you imagine if God's love was conditional? Just take a second and think about that. Think about what would happen if God's love was conditional. God's love was based on how talented and smart you were, how, how moral you were, how many times you like said your prayers, how good you sang in tune, how like how all of these kind of things that maybe we try for and do. But the reality is, is we all fall short and we know and understand. And it's something I don't have to convince you of that we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Can we agree on that one? Can you imagine if God's love was conditional? But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The scripture tells us that when we were enemies of God, when we disobeyed, when we were rebellious, when we still were far from God, and maybe even, like, particularly and intensely trying to disobey and uh, God... 
God still loved us. His love is without condition. And, and if God's w- love was with conditions, we would be in trouble, right? We'd be in big trouble. And I think the only way, I, it's hard to even conceptualize this because it's such a challenging teaching to view love in a way that is full, complete, 100% grace. It's really hard to even conceptualize it. The only way I can kind of conceptualize it a little bit is with my kids. It's the only way I can do it, right? Because, you know, there's been times where my kids, there's my other kid that's not in the room right now, of course. Uh, my son is right here. My, there's been times that my kids are a disaster and a mess and embarrassing and do things. And I'm like, come on, get it to, right? But as a parent, there's never been a moment in time where I questioned my love for my kids. And there was never a moment in time where I was like, I don't love you anymore. And I remember a couple of instances. It's, it, it, it's much easier with your own kids. But there, I remember a couple of incidences where I've been around other people's kids. And my wife was like, don't, you, you need to be nice to these other people's kids. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm moderately nice. I sprinkle it with grace. But these aren't my kids. I don't have to be fully nice to them. I don't have to want to hang around these kids all of the time. And my wife told me one time, and something that was profound that really changed me. She said, you know what? There's our, there was times when our kids were kind of out of control. And there's people in our life that loved our kids despite their faults. And I always appreciate those people that did that. And I was like, wow, you're absolutely right. And... There's times and moments where there's people around us that, like, my kids have been, like, not necessarily behaving, and they still love my kids. Thank you, because some of you may be those people, but thank you for that. And thank you for not having conditions on that. And what a beautiful picture of God's love, right? Is us understanding and conceptualizing the fact that I do not have conditions I don't have conditions on my love. I know God doesn't have conditions. I don't have conditions on my love. All right, let's flip over a little bit and talk a little bit about partial truth. Incomplete, like this is, this is another aspect of it as well. And it can't just be sprinkled in. Imagine, you know, that like we say, you know, I want a degree of truth in how I love other people, but just a little bit. And the problem is, is what happens is we can easily get kind of down the road that our culture in many ways has gone down where we say, it's okay that people are, whatever, do whatever destructive things that God told them not to do and disobeyed and all of this stuff. And it's okay. We just need to like kind of, kind of like uh, just be 100% grace and we'll go about 50% truth in this regard. And you know, if, like, in the end, it's, it's everybody's own life, and they can do whatever they want, and you be you, and I'll be me, and it's okay, and it doesn't matter. There's a problem with that, and that's, that's where the balance comes in. The problem is, is there's a God that created this universe. The problem is, there's a God that's revealed himself to us, and there's a God that said, this is what I'm about. And this is what is true. And there's other things that are false. And if you follow down a path 
that you're, you're, you're following down a false path, what it will do is it will lead to destruction. And the scripture is clear with this one too. These are basic 101 scriptures in the Bible. The wages of sin is death, right? If we follow down a path of, of sin our whole life, if we follow down a path where we never reconcile our relationship with God, the wages of sin is death. And it's not loving at all to just watch as people just walk down a path towards death and not say anything about it. That's not loving. It may, make, it may be easier, right? It's probably easier just to kind of be like, eh, you know, whatever. It's okay. They'll figure it out. That's much easier. But tough love is full of grace, and it's full of truth. I remember when I was a youth pastor many, many years ago, and I was, uh, we were outside, and we were playing a game of kickball. Okay? We had this nice big field, and there was like this nice big space to play kickball, and I thought, plenty of room and everything. And there was, a, there was a street just kind of like out about, I don't know, maybe 200 feet, 300 feet beyond us. And we were playing this game of kickball, and everything was going well. And then, like, this senior in high school rolls up, and it's his turn uh, at bat. Is it at bat when you're kicking? What is it called? At kick? He was at kick. Okay. So, so this senior in high school was at kick. And he got like just this meatball right down the middle. And he, oh, he was excited. He wound up and he booted it way over everybody's head. And it bounced beyond the outfield and was bouncing and heading straight towards the street. Okay? And these kids are just into the game and they're like, let's not get him a home run. And this kid, I saw this kid that was like 12 years old sprinting straight into the street. And I am supposed to be the adult in charge at this moment, right? And at that moment in time, I was like, stop! Okay? And I screamed out and stopped. And he was like, whoa! He was like startled by it, and he stopped just like a few feet before he ran out on the street. And like imagine that moment where like there's a ball over the head, kids running, not paying attention. You could just imagine that that could be a tragic incident, right? And in that moment in time, I didn't have time to just stop and say like, hey, dude, you be you, man. You do your thing. Go, go for it. It might work out well for you. It might not. But I wish you well. I hope that things are going to go well for you out on the street against that car. I hope, that, I hope that you're healthy and well. And like, you know what? If you go to the hospital, I'll visit you. And I'll send you some prayers your way. In that moment, the only thing I could do is yell at the top of my lungs. And that was the loving thing to do in that moment. And... There are moments in time where we have to stop and realize that love is 100% grace, but it's also 100% truth. And there's many times in this place that we have to communicate clearly, this is what God is revealing to us, even though this is really challenging and uncomfortable. And the only reason we're doing that is not because like, we're not 100% on with the grace Bandwagon. We are 100% on with that. But we also need to recognize that God is, God is in control. That God has revealed things to us because sin is deadly and destructive. 
And if you don't have a, a grasp on truth and you just have grace, it's a road to destruction. And it's a problem. And so Jesus gives us this picture that is a complete picture of love. 100% grace, 100% truth. That God is full, full and completely uh, in grace, has grace attached to his love, and fully and completely uh, has truth in his love. What this looks like when we kind of make it uh, applicable to our own lives, is when you're 100% full of grace that we know and recognize that our love will not change regardless of what is going on around us. It's something that is firm and secure. Just like the reality that we know that we have a relationship with God and our, our, we are firm and secure knowing God loves us no matter what, we look at the world and those around us and say the overwhelming sentiment that I need to strive for and seek out is that I love my neighbor without condition. I love the people who drive me nuts. I love the people who are harming me. I love those people. And there is a sadness and there is a despair 100% that maybe they're going down a road that is not truthful whatsoever. Maybe they're going down a road that leads to death. And I don't like, I'm not gleeful. I'm not excited. I'm not happy that they're going down that road. Instead, my heart is completely broken because I look around the world and there's so many people that are not following God's truth. So I'm 100% fully, fully on board with the grace. But I'm 100% firm and secure in that truth. And I'm saying to the world around me, even those that drive me nuts, I love and care about you and hope and pray that you find the truth that will set you free. I hope and I pray and I desire and my heart is filled with with a desire for you to change and for your life to be transformed by God. But it shouldn't, shouldn't be shaken. And so this is something that is so challenging, that is something that we can easily gauge and kind of determine where we're at in our life. If we look around those around us, if we even like are watching the news and we're hearing stories around us, and if there is, it, like, when we're hearing those terrible things that are going on, like, the, the natural reaction, what people always will tend to do, is there's a hate that builds up, right? There's a hate that builds up. I can't believe this is going on. There's a hate that begins to emerge. And there can oftentimes be, like, this hate for other people that is kind of beneath the surface and it kind of spreads out. And if it takes hold of your life, what will happen is you'll go around and every interaction you have, you'll like, you know, somebody, somebody says something and it's just a sour reaction you have to them. And there's just a general disdain for people around you. And if it's something that's taking hold in your heart or in your life, or if you notice it, something needs to change. Because the scripture tells us that the fruits of the Spirit is not hate, anger, uh, division, those things. It says the fruits of God's Spirit filling my heart and changing my life is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control. 
If, if, if these things are emerging in my life and overwhelming me, there's something that I need to reevaluate. And there's something that needs to change in my heart. And this is hard. Would we agree? This is hard stuff. Because hate is really easy. It's really easy to look around in the world and hate. It's really easy. But love is hard. And, and so instead, that's full of grace. When I see somebody destroying themselves, destroying others, and maybe harming me, if we really, really have the heart of Jesus, we look at them and say, God, please be with them. God, I pray for you. God, fill them with your spirit. God, would something be transformed? They are going down a road that leads to death. And God, I pray that something would change. God, help them, help them, help them. Help them. There's people in this world that I think are really close to the heart of God. I met a man when I was uh, serving on a committee. I served on a committee for a long time in our denomination where we, uh, we would interview people that were preparing for ministry. And they were, felt called to ministry, wanted to be pastors, wanted to be ordained. And I remember, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different people that walk in. Sometimes it's like 19-year-old kid that's like, hey, man, I love Jesus and I want to do this thing. It's like, all right, bro. You know, and it's like, like just kind of like very casual. There's people that come in that are very professional and like, hey, I got a master's degree in this and I'm wanting to do this. And these are my, this is my five-year plan and this is my 10-year plan. And I remember, you know, there's all kinds of different things. But I remember one person that stood out that was totally unique from everybody else. He rolled in and he had a little name tag on and a little collar. And that's not very traditional in our kind of church circles. And the, and the name tag said, said Chaplain Jack. And he just came in and he was smiling and he was talking to us and he sat down. And was like, uh, this is going to be interesting, meeting Chaplain Jack. And we're like, Chaplain Jack, tell us what you've been doing the last year. What's going on? How's, the, how's it progressing along? And this guy was probably twice my age. And he was, he was saying, you know what? This is what I do. I go to the prisons every day. And I go, and I sit down, and I talk to them. And you know what? Um, last year, 50 people accepted Christ for me just going to the prisons every single day. At one, of the, one of the awesomest you know, interviews I've ever had is sitting down with Chaplain Jack that just says, he didn't have a big church, he didn't make any money, he had a name tag, and he just showed up there and just started hanging out and praying for people that were, that were like, without question, the marginalized of our world and the really difficult people in our world. And he just showed up every single day, and he, he, he prayed for them and talked to them and got to know people. And, like, he would have dozens and dozens of people every year except Christ. And, like, he just, he just said, you know what? Somebody needs to go hang out with these, these people. And... It's a profound picture that maybe we, we really need to struggle with and understand. Is that Chaplain Jack at one point in time decided that his life would be marked by being somebody that is full of grace and full of truth. And he would hang out with people that nobody else would hang out with. And he would go and, and he, would, he would tell people the truth about life. That you need to, you, you need to, find a, uh, you need to confess your sins. And you need to find God. Because this path is leading to death. And, and he probably made more impact individual on people's lives than, than anybody that walked through those doors that I interviewed through all that, that process. 
It's because he was somebody that just says, you know what? No, I am going to be 100% full of grace and 100% full of truth. And I'm going to interact with people in that way. May may we pursue this in our life. May we understand the fullness of what God says love should really be about. It's not just the people who love us and will treat us right. My life is full of grace. But it's also full of truth. So as we enter into this series and continue on and look at this struggling, the struggles and difficulties that come up when you decide to love like Jesus loved, my challenge for you today and in the coming weeks is to pursue the hard things in life. To pursue that. Because this is hard. And this is something that we walk away and all of us say, yeah, I haven't done that perfectly in my life. But the scripture is telling us that there is going to be a path that everybody and most people go down. Everybody kind of says, this is the way that you should love. And Jesus is giving us a picture and saying, you know what? There's a harder path, but this is the one that is my high calling for you. And this is what life is really about. So pursue the hard love and resist the easy temptation just to go down the road of saying, you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to get grumpy and angry about everything that's going on around me. Will you pray with me? God, we've heard so many pictures of love. We've practiced so many versions of love in our life. And quite frankly, I must admit, God, that there's so many times that I fall short. I choose the easy path. God, there's many times that maybe I have partial grace or partial truth in the way that I love others. But God, you came full of grace, full of truth. So God, today I cry out to you and I say, God, help me. Help me to understand the tough path that you've laid out before us. The real tough picture of what love really is all about. Help us in the coming weeks as we continue to think about this, pray about it, practice it. Help us, God, we pray. To be people who, who love others in a profound way, life-changing way. And God, I just cry out today and I say, God, I pray for my neighbors. There's people all around me that maybe sometimes drive me nuts, but God, they, they, they need you. That maybe the path they're going down is leading to death. God, help them, please. God, we pray. Intervene and do something. Help them out, God. May people in our neighborhood and community and beyond us be transformed and know a God that loves them. Let them find forgiveness and healing. God, help our hearts to be broken for those around us that are really, really struggling and really far from you.
God, we pray that we would just get a glimpse and a picture of your love. As we go towards our time of communion, I invite you to take a moment, open your heart, and let God speak to you. It's quite possible that maybe God would bring somebody to mind, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, that it's really hard to love them. And the natural temptation is kind of to go down a negative, cynical, hateful road. But instead, God is challenging us today with these words to say, no, I'm going to have loves without conditions, but still full of truth. And so as the scripture tells us here very clearly that the first thing is we pray for those people. We pray and let our hearts be broken for those that are really difficult to love. And if there's really something in your heart and life that is like outstanding that you would say, say, I am holding this against somebody. I hold unforgiveness. I'm holding hatred, anger, bitterness towards somebody. Right now, the appropriate thing to do is say sorry. And ask God for forgiveness. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be just a simple road that you say one prayer and it's over and those emotions fade away. But it is something that you need to do. You need to say sorry because that's not God's will for your life. So I invite you right now to pray for that person or people that is really hard to love. And ask God for forgiveness. Forgiveness. 